I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most family-friendly podcast network. Welcome everyone to Bookish. I'm George Dimorellis, uh, where we use the show. Uh, welcome to Bookish. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Dimorellis. <laughs> you should just keep all of those in. I will possibly keep them all in. <laughs> I have a habit of laughing too much, so I'm gonna... Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. <laughs> okay, well look, everyone, welcome to Bookish. Yes! The show where we uh, get someone's favourite book and talk about what it says about them. Yeah. So, uh, I'm George Dimarellis, and with me today is Aiden Taco-Jones. That's me. And uh, do you want to give a little bio about yourself? Oh, who am I? I you just wa- really asked the biggest question of them all up top there, George. I'm a 28-year-old comedian based in Melbourne. Do I do a plug up top? Is that who I am? Am I my work? <laughs> You're not. I got a show in the Melbourne Comedy Festival called Aiden Jones Taco. It's about how my nickname is Taco because I'm half Colombian. Because my mum was backpacking, came back to Australia and found out she was pregnant. And the show is about me meeting my biological father in September 2019. And that is also, in a way, who I am. So I've answered your question, so Covered everything apart. Yeah. See, I actually <laughs> you warned look, you. You look like this isn't going how you wanted it to go. Well, just because like, <laughs> I'll be honest. This is, I'm still early to the podcast. And yeah, yeah, one of the yeah. mistakes I've been making is dropping on someone, give me your bio. And then they're like... Uh, and they panic, yeah. and it's chopped and done. So that's why sure. I, I want to clarify to everyone listening, I specifically told you beforehand I was going to ask you this question. Did you ask me about my bio before? I, sorry, I I'm said I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself. Oh, yeah, of- yeah, yeah. Introduce myself. No, I know. I mean, but also, it's fine. Yeah, I just look. I'm just trying really hard here. Yeah, yeah, I and think I'm, you're killing I'm, it, I man. I've been cooler about this. I've been like, yeah, bro, screw the rules. <laughs> yeah. Getting defensive about being too uptight. <laughs> George I'll get there <laughs> Oh man So this is Aiden Jones As you can tell We are old friends We did just meet today um, uh, Yep Doing comedy all around the world For mm-hmm. years and years yeah. Very talented My favourite op- skill of yours If I was going to say uh, No credit oh. I would say Is you open for bloody Oh what's his name uh, Glenn Wool <laughs> Glenn Wool Yeah Probably top 10 comedians In the world in my opinion Yeah Working today I reckon uh, Yeah man he was amazing Underrated it was amazing to watch him do those shows every would, night. Yeah, it would have been sick. See what he does. Yeah, see how he does it. And like, he's I that mean, good consistently, isn't he? Yeah. And they weren't like, I mean, there were people at the shows, and and it wasn't like they were bad shows, but they weren't in the ideal environments for comedy. And to watch him work against that and end up coming out on top every night, awesome. 
That's yeah. the that was the best environment to see him in. Was we were doing rooms in like like conference rooms in hotels in Asia. Oh no way! Yeah, and uh, and all the um, people at the shows were like hotel guests. So like imagine people who do like take package deal holidays to fucking Thailand. That was like who was seeing yeah. So you're talking about like 40, 50, 60 year olds people, not comedy fans, who are just staying at the hotel and are like, oh, comedy is at the hotel, right? Well, I guess we'll go to that. And there's like, you know, 60, 70, 80 of them in the room and the and, and the room could easily fit like three times that many people. That's the show. Those are the shows that we're doing. <laughs> like that is yeah. Amazing and he would come on, in action. come on at the start every night. He opened with he did pretty much the same set every night, and uh, his opening joke had like a minute before the first big punchline. So he would just get up and start this joke and just get him in the rhythm of him talking. And ah, it, oh, it was masterful, really. Teach you stuff, yeah. That's where you're gonna learn the stuff. Seeing yeah, them, seeing man, them in from action, a fucking dude like that, hundred percent. That's what annoys me. Like I'm always like trying to see. Uh, firstly, uh, it's hard to find good comics. In either bad rooms or even bombing and stuff like that, like you're seeing the more natural parts, like because you're always only seeing the most polished thing when you see it, like on Netflix or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, okay, that's great, but like, yeah. almost anyone can. I'm not saying that they're not amazing, but I'm yeah. saying you're seeing them in an environment where, like, we've all had a night where everything's perfect and yeah. everyone's pissed themselves. Yeah, it's set up for them to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like I want to because I know they're amazing. So it's like I want to yeah. see them in like the roughest stuff because that's what you want to see really the other see. skills because you're going to see them in. That's when you're going to see how yeah. good they really are. And I think, like, I mean, even just thinking about it now, those rooms, right? The reason he was able to do that minute of no jokes just to hit a big punchline up the top is because the kind of room it was, was they weren't on his side, but they also weren't talking. They were all paying attention. Mm. They were just skeptical of the comedy. And maybe he wouldn't have done that if it was a club and they were all talking and it was too loud, but he just, I don't know, I feel like he played the rooms so he just knew perfectly so what well. to do. Yeah, he yeah. knew what gambit to throw down and, and how to make him respect him and be interested in him and love him straight away. Yeah. Yeah, it was sick. He's really good. Glenn Wool, I do. I first time I saw him, I was like, "Fuck this!" Also, just the loveliest dude ever to hang out with. Really, yeah. it's so great. We took, we went on motorbikes in Koh Samui. We got motorbikes and just went around Koh Samui for a day in Thailand. Yeah, it's great. Nice. And then he was like, "I don't want to go too far up the mountain because I got a kid, so I can't die." I was like, oh, "I'm single. I don't give a fuck. I'm going up the mountain. Have a good nap, brother." <laughs> so good being single and having no kids. Yeah. You can die tomorrow. I can no die stress. tomorrow. It's fine. I mean, my mom will be sad, I guess, but she'll get For over it. She'll get over she'll it. She'll figure know. it out, man. She'll go on another party to yeah. South America. Exactly. <laughs> Bake another taco. Okay. I really, you know what I want to reread? Uh, Women by Bukowski. That's one of my favorite books ever. I've only read one of Bukowski's ones. Yeah. Post Office? Oh, man, I have read that, but I, I love, I love his writing, man. I mean, obviously, yeah. yeah I want to say, like, uh, I want to reread women. Spoiler alert: he hates them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh... <laughs> spoiler alert. Not good. It's so funny what you can tell people's tastes. At least what you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, this girl that I was talking to, who's a lit major. Yeah. I was telling her my stuff. She's like, "You really love white American men, huh?" <laughs> You're not even white. See, that's a self-hating brown person. Oh, right. You should add that in. (laughs) How funny is you should add that in? I got My mom's so cute sometimes. She's like, you should put this in your jokes. And Uh, it's like a meme about a dog riding a bicycle. You're like, how would I even go about having this this in the show, mom? You've you've seen my shows. This is almost insulting, except it comes from a really sweet place. (laughs) All right. So, 
Anyways, we we no, we do want to talk about favorite books. Uh, as we've already established, you love uh, Bukowski, mm-hmm. which actually I thought you were going to pick a book more like that. And that's why I'm so surprised you haven't done Vonnegut before because your whole you got a real Vonnegut Bukowski 21 year old vibe. Sure. Sort of oh, thank you. Up. I'm 28, but I got a 21 year old vibe. Thank no, you. No, as in when you were 21, <laughs> you don't look 21. You just look like someone who liked Bukowski when he was 21. Yeah, sure. And I, I think did. there's as many insults in there as I could possibly say. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and Hunter S. and and. Uh, I loved Hemingway. Uh, no, no, no but Kerouac. sorry, Kerouac. Kerouac. That's Kerouac. It. Definitely yeah, Kerouac, yeah. right? You know, i got a funny story about fucking reading on the road. Okay. I read on the road while I was on the road. I was in uh, South America going around on buses. I didn't have any, like, paper books, but I had a smartphone. It was like 2011, 12. So I downloaded books onto my phone. Yep. And I was reading them on a on an old um, Huawei phone. And I got, what was it? I, re- I read uh, The Brothers Karamazov. Jesus. 800 pages on a smartphone, right? And then I read On the Road. And uh, I was reading it, loving it. It's good. I also read uh, The Grapes of Wrath on that phone, um, which is one of my favorite books. But uh, yeah, I read On the Road. At the end of the book, because it's a program and every chapter is like a new thingy, whatever, and uh, it just got to the end and rather than be like the end, it just had like, cannot load, next chapter. So I was like, oh, you know, I guess that's the end, right? And then uh, a bit later, I um, had this idea like a few years down the track because I loved uh, Hunter S. Thompson and I knew he had typed out The Great Gatsby because that was his favorite book. So I typed out 1984 as my favorite book. It took me about six months and then I was like, oh, I might do another one. Let me do On the Road. I love that book. And I started typing it out and I got about halfway through and then I was like, I don't recognize these bits. And it turns out I had only read half of the book and then it just stopped on my phone. Like it's just the program broke or whatever happened. So I just thought that I like loved this book. I hadn't even read the whole book. (laughs) I just read half the book and then went, oh, that makes sense, I guess. Which really speaks to the incoherence. Of Jack Kerouac, yeah. isn't it? That any point in the book, you could just stop reading and be like, that seems like a conclusion. It doesn't, yeah. I mean, it kind of has a conclusion from my memory, but not, yeah. not much. No, yeah, I yeah. think I got to the, I think the thing stopped at the end of part one when they turn around and go back. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, I that's great. Like, oh, really. that's the end. Great. If you, that, that's that's so fun. Your it's, favorite it's, book, and it's not even like the if they found it hidden in a cellar somewhere. It turns out he had an extra thing. It's yeah, like that's suspicious. Yeah, I got that experience. Yeah, you got that experience, but it was actually you know it's good because it yeah. was released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the one where they find it in someone's cellar. It's like, well, maybe there's a reason. Sure, he maybe it's bad, it. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like what's her name but releasing I mean, the sequel to to Kill a Mockingbird. Oh yeah, which apparently was very deeply problematic because she had like Alzheimer's and stuff. Oh wow, uh, I heard like, that prequel. it was problematic. Prequel, yeah, prequel. Um, I think it just more speaks to how up my own ass I was that I was in love with the idea of having read on the road rather than actually paying attention to the book. Do you know what I mean? I just got to the end and I was like, great, I finished it. Now I am a man who has read on the road without actually fucking (laughs) figuring out whether I I really liked the book or not. Yeah, I am a man who has read on the road. So yeah, Get it tattooed on your arm or something. Yeah, read, yeah, yeah, on the road with just a tick next to it, and I'm showing girls. What do you think? Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> I'm buying a motorbike next week. Nice. Yeah. Although, what a loser. You're probably just getting angry at them as well if they didn't say anything. Yeah. Oh, t- yeah. For sure. You don't like it? Screw you! Yeah. I don't care anyway. You don't get me. Yeah. Not like my mom. <laughs> Not like Kerouac gets me. <laughs> I'm going to go to America. Mm. 1950s America. That's when it was good. I, I was saying before, I uh, went on a bit of a date last night and um, me and this girl were talking about books and uh, she was talking about 
all the authors that she loves and that she went to England and spent time there on a gap year and she went to all these places that were in her favourite novels, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, she was like in raptures about England and how great it is because she has all these connections to these places that she's read about. And uh, I was like, oh, I I never realised, but I think I've spent most of my life reading American authors. And I've never been to America. And America for me has this like mythological place that I'm like, oh my God, I Imagine if I could go to America and this girl's Canadian. She was like, oh, America is not like that for me at all. <laughs> Very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, I do not think of America as a great place. I mean, you know, it's, I've got, I get the magic of it. Yeah. The, the romanticism. Well, and On the Road's a big part of that. And yeah. Fear and Loathing for sure. And The road trip ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the beats. Yeah, tell me. I, I definitely want to do the, I'd love to do the drive across. Oh, America. my God. It'd be incredible, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, because well, the location one's interesting because I, I did that when I was in Scotland, in mm-hmm. Edinburgh, because you've been there as well. Um, the, for, the Forth of Firth Bridge, the wire one, have you ever seen it? It's like the major, it's one of the things that's on everything about Edinburgh when I come to Edinburgh. It's this red, like, cable-made bridge. Really? It doesn't string a bell at all. Uh, maybe, I'm not. All oh, of the it's magnets. The one, it's the one uh, in the northwest of the city. Yeah, Is that the one? Yeah, right, I've yeah. heard of it. I've never been there. Um, so Ian Banks, he writes sci-fi, but he also writes like alternative weird fiction stuff. He's a really good writer and he's, Sick. so he's awesome writer. And then he died like eight years ago or something. So mm-hmm. I used to love him. And then he died. I was like, ah, oh. so when I was the first time I was in Edinburgh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go have a beer. Cause one of his books is based literally a guy just having a, dr- he's driving. I don't think it's a spoiler. He crashes his car on the bridge. Yeah. And basically the whole book is him dreaming about a life on that bridge and like different societies and stuff living on this one bridge. Oh, so it's this, the bridge is the nice. main character in a whole book of the, his. The bridge is a character. Well, kind of like as in it's not, it doesn't talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not- but yeah, I mean, in the way that New York is a character in film and people talk about New York, but the city yeah. of New York. Well, that's probably character. more detail than this. <laughs> like, as in, but it is like, it's because he drove it every day because he was lived in Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I was like, yeah, be a few, man. That's nice. So, like, I appreciate the so romanticism. So you went over there and did that. Yeah. Whenever well, I didn't go. And had the beer facing it. Yeah. Like, you yeah. didn't obviously crash a car on the bridge. Yeah. No, that's. That's nice, man. Really? I love that. I haven't, I don't know that I've had any big, uh, you know, literary like reunions with places like that. It's because it's one of his. It's his best book in like I would say almost yeah, the bridge. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. But, yeah, you gotta have that. You gotta like it as well. Yeah. Like, oh no, it, of course. But I mean, <laughs> of all the maybe it's because I've n- not been to America. But yeah. most of my yeah, like I would say, the Grapes of Wrath would be one of my favorite books. Who's um, pronounced it Wrath? I always thought it was Wrath. I I think it's supposed to be pronounced Wrath, but I think. Isn't in pronouncing a different it, word? No, it's that word. I think it's pronounced like that, but I think in doing so, you show that you are a cunt. Okay. <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to let you know. But yeah. Then it- <laughs> I think pronouncing it wrath is like, oh, you think you're smarter than everyone because you didn't pronounce it the way that it's technically supposed to be pronounced. I mean, the, the fact that you've said it a few times now yeah. it does make it be suspicious that you it are trying to let people that- know. <laughs> You could have said, you know, Steinbeck or something, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah no. Did I mention the grapes of wrath? Ah, fuck! You're It'd right. be wrath of me I've to do that. I've also read the Winter of Our Discontent. That's a good one. Is that Steinbeck? No, I'm not. Nah, it's really good. No, the only one of small town shit. I don't think I've read anything of Steinbeck. Oh, what else? Grapes of done? wrath is incredible, man. Did you do one for Bison Men? Yes. So yes, I have read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the ending of the Grapes of Wrath. I won't say what it is, but when I read it on my phone. I was like, because I, I thought like, surely that can't be the end. No fucking way. And then I 
I like looked it up and I was like, oh no, that is the like I googled it to, just to check. I was so like, that one you checked, is, yeah, yeah, that one I checked, yeah, that one but I on checked. The road, but on the road, like, I was like, ah, makes sense. Yeah. I think I read Steinbeck first, so I was like, oh, that can't be the end, but it is. And then when on the road came around, I was like, well, I've already this has already happened once. Evidently, I'm just not that good at recognizing the ends of books, but that time it really fucked me. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it's really fucking dumb, isn't it? <laughs> you just understand a mistake. Yeah, yeah, you're like just reading a bunch of all that just ends in the. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Grapes of wrath ends, but I'm gonna keep saying wrath until yeah. <laughs> yeah, say wrath. Here's the grapes and here's the wrath. <laughs> Very nice, wrath, Nelson. Yeah. yeah, that's classic. Okay, so anyways, we've gone off of 50 different books. Yeah, 1984, as you said, is your favorite, favorite book, book man. ever. Um, I'm gonna say right now, no spoilers. I think it's. I mean, as in like. Oh, do, no, all the spo- I can't, no, no, do, do all the spoilers you want. Oh, yeah. The book's 50 years old. Yeah, like, surely. Yeah. If you've not read it, as I say, when I, I mean, you've seen me do material about this book, and uh, and I get everyone to go who's read it. And there's often just one or two people who haven't read it. And it's like, if you haven't read it, man, fucking what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't judge people when they haven't read something oh, like I that. I do. Judge them right to their face. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, think I, I think I. You're probably I like this... I feel such wrath when yeah. I see them say these things. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so wrathful towards you. Wrathful? <laughs> I don't know. That's word. Roth- that's what I'm saying. It just Roth- doesn't sound right. Wrathulous. <laughs> I don't. Um, I'm gonna have to double check this later. <laughs> <laughs> I swear it's pronounced wrath. No, I you've said it. No, to be honest, you've been saying it for years. And I've been letting it you off. It feels weird. Have I been saying it for years? It keeps. I've, you've mentioned you've heard me say it before many times, and I haven't corrected. And you've you. let me off. And then you chose the time when it's being recorded to try and pull me up because you want it like for posterity. I well, was look, right. Just because George now, just because now, if I don't say it, people are going to think right, that I agree with you. Think that you're dumb <laughs> and your biggest fear has been considered stupid. I get it. Yeah, no, that's just inc- <laughs> no incorrectly considered stupid. It's uh, <laughs> different. Uh, I'll happily take it when it's uh, correct, which is a lot of the time. I have the same fear. Point is, I oh, see. We'll, we'll go into that. Yeah, sure. Sort of ministry of truth. I was actually looking up 1984 reference literally earlier today. But anyway, so 1984 for anyone who doesn't, well, everyone knows. Big brother, yeah, big brother. Guy lives totalitarian nightmare. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Winston, Winston, main character. Yeah. Kind of a love story in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, the the reason a, I love it is because I think it's got everything. I mean, it's it's like for me, some of the bits that strike me the most are the bits about like because like some of it is just a treatise or like you know it's it's like him going, "This is how I think the world works and how I think it's gonna work in the future if we're not careful." Mm-hmm. But then there are some bits that like I talk about that uh, on stage in the bit that I've done for your show. I talk mm. about the part where they get out of the Ministry of Love or whatever. Is it the Ministry of Love? Where they get interrogated in Room 101. Yeah. He and Julia separately get interrogated and uh, they meet each other again in the cafe and it's like they talk about betrayal and I was typing 1984 out in 2012 and at that same time in my life I uh, cheated on my girlfriend and it kind of... The part where they talk, uh, she says, "There's a part in you that if you betray someone, you know, it doesn't matter if anyone else knows, you know in your heart that you betrayed that person, and so you can never go back to before you did that because you know what you did, and it's not the same after that." And uh, I was, I was at that point in the book typing it out when I was kind of going through my like reckoning with myself, going, oh, "I cheated on my girlfriend," you know. Like dealing with my the repercussions of my actions, and I remember reading that and thinking, like, oh my god, this is it! Like, I know, 
I know what I did. Even if she doesn't know the specifics of what I did, it doesn't even, to me, really matter that much, the specifics, because I know the intent, which was I'm emotionally entangled with this person that I'm cheating on her with. That's what I was going to say is the interesting part about it, because it's like it's not just about like physically cheating on them, which mm-hmm. is like even if you did that, you could almost argue, yeah. which I, this is the whole other thing. Is it possible to cheat on someone and it'd be fine in a way? Yeah, I think you yeah, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way sure. almost? Like I'm not yeah. saying defending it, but you I'm saying- che- You could cheat on someone and have it be more about you than about the other person. And like, yeah. I reckon- I mean, I don't know. I've never been cheated on. <laughs> People are listening to this going, oh, I'm going to fucking make you fall in love with me and cheat on you, you piece of shit, so you know. I'm sorry. I fucking I did a bad thing eight years ago. And, yeah. and actually, I've done a bad thing time. almost every day since. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what am I? Fuck, man. Oh, Anyway. Well, that's the only I, time you've ever cheated? Yeah. That's actually the that's the last like serious relationship that I was in. Okay. Yeah. But no, but that's the point, right? As in you could do it in a way which I want to say it's a reflection on you, but it's almost like it's if there's no emotional connection, mm-hmm. there is that idea that ah, oh, you've done an indiscretion because you slipped up, you were out yeah, yeah. a few months or something. I don't know. There's but like the idea is that you intentionally broke their like yeah, you I did more it. than them. You didn't it was it was like mm-hmm. It was about fuck them. Yeah, no, it wasn't about fuck them. It was just in the in the moment when I did it, it wasn't about fuck my girlfriend. It was about I don't care because I want this other person so badly that I don't care whether I hurt her or not. Yeah. So it wasn't about fuck her. It was just about I care about this more so, than I care about her. Right, so I almost like put a price on the relate like as in, oh, so yeah. this is what it's worth, and I yeah, don't maybe, want that. maybe I found something that I cared about more than the relationship, yeah, or, or you found out just it's not as foolproof that love or whatever, yeah, like, or it's just, yeah, and I mean they say if you if you uh, want to keep a friend, you should never test them, right? Yeah, like as in is- you should never ask something of your friend that might strain that relationship, and I guess that's like about not if you. It seems like you such don't, a you don't want to find. Well, you, it's like you don't want to find the limits. Why would you want to find the limits? Why would you want to test the limits of a relationship with someone? Okay. And I think that's what I found out in that is like I, I, I tested the limits of what I could fucking get away with. You shattered in the illusion of being like, yeah, well, yeah. I, I love her this much. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> also, okay, it's twelve centimeters. Yeah. Like, also, though, I think uh, tied up in those actions at the time was the fact that I she was moving from France to Australia to be with me, and I wasn't ready for that. But I, at the time, wasn't mature enough to understand that about myself and say that to her and be honest. So rather than just say, "Hey, I don't know that I'm actually want this to happen," so maybe don't come here. Rather than do that, which is what I should have done. I just let her come and then sabotage the relationship as a way to get out of it. Much healthier. Much more human response. <laughs> much more human. It's so it was, cowardly. It was bad. It was bad. It's good that it comes out in a weird way, but like, yeah, because you, you, did you, would you, this is all retrospectively. Mm-hmm. You didn't think you were doing that at the time. You're like, I'm going to sabotage yeah, this. You because just- I wasn't a, a very, um, I don't know. I don't know why I fucking did it. Yeah, I guess. Was it a bit of- just ignoring, like I, I, I was about to say, I wasn't very self-aware at the time, but I mean, I think I was, but I was just willfully ignorant of my own feelings. Almost, you and, could almost and thoughts. You could almost say you were doing a bit of double thing. Yo, George, Snap! come on! Right. Yeah, I reckon so. 
That's yeah, like, totally. Yeah, you're like, I want this, but then I don't want this, and I'm kind of acting. Yeah, I love her and I care about her, but also I don't clearly because I'm prepared to throw it all away and hurt her rather than just tell her the truth. Yeah, all of that shit, man. Yeah. That's why all well. That's why the book is so incredible because of things like that. Because 1984, I feel like can almost be applied, like the 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 concepts within it can be applied to like most areas of personal and public life mm. in a way. Like, I mean, there's a reason that double think is such a pervasive term and it's continued to be used for like, what, 80 years now? Yeah. And it's like slipped into our just like regular lexicon, the things that we say. Because I think it's one of those things which like people don't realize and almost they, they he frames in the book as the, the people are doing it as part of this totalitarian regime. But mm-hmm. like, it does point out something which I don't think in psychological literature was highlighted for ages, which is the concept that you can double think and like yeah. everyone yeah. does almost. Totally. Like the fact that you can actually you can hold think two things two at different the same things. time. Yeah, like Contrary in, beliefs. Yes. Yeah, so like cognitive time. dissonance, whatever you can't. It's like nothing yeah. you can do that forever. Like, totally. In, yeah. People do it all the time. And you do it in like one of the ways is like you don't get pushed on something. So you're like, yeah, I think this, but like if you got pushed, you'd be like, oh, actually, nah, don't. So it's yeah. like, totally. you know, most people kind of sit in that window so oh, actually i could say that that's maybe what doing the cheating was like pushing through that like you couldn't live in that lie anymore about yes. that, double thing, that i care but i you know whatever and then it's yeah. like oh no i do care enough to not want this but also yeah like- and i was uh lying to myself like when she arrived after i had done it she arrived i did it before she arrived in australia and then she arrived that's and- so early Oh yeah. So oh. she was on the way. She was coming, yeah. On the boat. There was from France. we we were we were in uh uh South America together and then we went back to our respective countries and there was five weeks between that and her arriving in Australia and and in that five week period, like maybe halfway through was when I did it. And uh yeah. and then she came in. But I mean I was trying to ignore and lie to myself, but I when she arrived I was deeply unhappy i didn't want to spend any time with her not that she wasn't a great person or that we didn't have fun together but i just knew that i didn't want this commitment i wasn't ready to make this commitment that was implied in her coming to the country how how long was she in country before oh she found out after like a week and a half okay that's good yeah you didn't waste much time yeah Yeah, that's rough. Oh, dude, there was that a part of me so like when, rough. when she arrived. It was like maybe April or March or something, and uh, she had like so, she was gonna initially stay until September, and like fir- when I was first lying to myself before she even got there, I was going like, "Oh, I'm gonna wait it out until September." And then when she leaves, then I can be with this girl who I cheated on her with. That's how deluded I was with myself, you know. It's so dark. Oh, it's Thank crazy. You for that. And then as soon as she <laughs> got so... there, I was like, oh, there's no way I could do that. Just yeah. be walking around like a shell of a person trying to pretend to her like I'm fine for that long. And then, oh, my God. So I, I mean, guess... fuck, I was so fucking stupid. I'm better now, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, that's getting edited out. <laughs> it's not, um, because it's interesting when you said the double thing, but also what you're talking about in terms of the emotional cheating. So that means that actually you weren't, it really wasn't 
a one-off. No, it wasn't no, no, emotional. no. I was, I was in love with this, this other one. lady who I cheated on her with, for sure. And we had history. We had been together previously, but it was a just awful, self-destructive, poisonous relationship. And actually, part of the reasons why I went to South America and ended up meeting this girl was to get away from that poisonous <laughs> relationship. And then when I got back to... This was the whole of my last show was this story. Um and then when I got back to Australia and and this girl who I'd been in an awful thing with found out that I had a French girlfriend and she was coming, that's when she kind of renewed her interest in me. And in I love years, how purely evil that is. Yeah, well, in the years since, because uh, we still, me and that girl that, yeah, the poisonous relationship girl, we have, um, we understand each other in a way that I've not, had an understanding with someone I think before we like we see the elements of each other that are like really broken and like I don't know like comfortable with hurting people yeah. that's that's what she that's what she brought out in me and that's what I brought out in her and that's why we were really bad together and we still we speak like once a year twice a year and in the years since she's admitted that the reason that she wanted to do that with me that time because she never slept with me before then. We never had. And the reason that she wanted to do it then is because she wanted to know that I cared about her or I wanted her or whatever so much that I was willing to destroy my life for a night with her. So that's why she wanted to do it. Like, I love how much this is actually uh, mirroring 101 and like giving you the one thing that will make you break this other thing, yeah, which then right. breaks it irrevocably forever. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, the one thing is like, the, obviously for him, it's terror, but for you, it was just yeah. banging your just ex. Lust. <laughs> just, just lust. Just awful lust. Yeah. yeah. And, just- and like the validation of this girl who had never let me sleep with her, mm. finally letting me do it. And because of, for whatever reason, the thing that's broken in me is I need that validation from people. And that was the person who I was crazy about this girl from the moment I met her and she never gave that to me. And the only way I could get it was to destroy this other, actually like a lot kind of more healthy thing that I'd found. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Yeah, it's exactly the... Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah that's it's what it is, it's, right? It with, finds the one thing to break you on. Yeah, and with Winston, he gets this amazing thing, which is this reprieve from the party and from the awful life that exists in their dystopian future, and it's love. That's the one thing that he has, and to this then one person to, with this, yeah, to this one person, or well, just love in general. But, but it's not love to the party. It's ah, that's true. It's not love to the party. Yeah, they almost they steal love from him and they make him. They replace Julia with the party, don't they? That's the most brutal ending, isn't it? It's pretty dark. He loved Big Brother. He won the victory over himself. He loved Big Brother. Yeah, it's oh. great. It's a great last ending. That uh, that line, he had won the victory over himself. I so I think about that all the time, man. He's Winning right. a victory over yourself to submit your humanity, you know, for like I guess some greater good is like how they see it. Or, yeah. It's almost like is it good? Is it good that he loves the party because then he can't hurt anyone? But also in making like in, he can't hurt anyone. He just does whatever gets told. Yeah, he, that- he can't hurt anyone, but he's also not human anymore. Arguably. Who needs to be human though, right? Yeah, well, it's like it's it's like it's being human, pain and hurting people, and like we we it feels like it feels like so much of us like we're so obsessed with getting rid of that. Like people talk about God, right, and going an argument against God, the existence of God is the bad things happen. You know, like uh, like what does Stephen Fry say? Bone marrow cancer in children, yeah. right? How can God exist if bad things happen? We're so obsessed with getting rid of all the bad things that happen in the world. And George Orwell in that book goes, well, here's how we can get rid of all the bad things that happen in the world. We can get rid of our humanity. Mm. If you want, we can get rid of all the bad stuff, but also you will stop being human. So are you almost hinting at the fact that maybe bad things are legit because it frames you and defines you and gives you something to suffer for and grow as a person. Yeah, maybe. I don't know why, huh? I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe just, maybe that's just like the inherent, I feel like such a ponce right now. (laughs) Just to let everyone know, I am sitting cross-legged. Maybe, maybe. uh, Very defensively. What is it that we like about being human? What's nice about being human? What's so scary about the idea of, not being human. Like, what What would you say is the defining feature, almost? Uh, is it free will? We don't even know if we have free will. I guess all the philosophers that I kind of, like, we talk about the inherent value of, of humanity, right? And, like, in, a, in, in politics, that's what, like, left-wing politics, it talks about every person has the same inherent value. And from my memory, the philosophers that I always think about like in university and shit they all thought that humanity is defined from rationality from the the ability to have rational thought and make rational decisions rather than having things that, so is that free will i guess that's free will 
Yeah, I mean... I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about right now, actually. That's all right. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I feel like I'm going in circles. And I feel like I sound really boring. I feel like everyone's bored right now listening to me talk about my half-remembered philosophy lectures in fucking university a decade ago. All right. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the comedian comes like back. He's yeah, like, damn it. Yeah, I know. I feel like <laughs> I'm digging myself in a fucking hole here. Yeah, that's uh, okay. We'll, we'll try to make it lighter for yeah. you so you can handle this. I don't know. I'll try to riff off what you say yeah. as you go. I'm like, yeah, um, rationality. Because no, like, you're saying rationality. It's like thinking. Yeah. Consciousness. Yeah. And then, uh, yes, but then there's like newer schools of thought about like the the merging of like rationality with emotion almost. Like that's always the two things that get argued. Yeah. The head and the heart. Yeah. And what's your humanity is like obviously some sort of combination. Or is it love? Is it your ability to love? Man, I saw let, – let me – I'm going to get my phone for two seconds. Sorry. A friend of mine wrote the most beautiful thing today about love. Here, I'll find it. He said, uh, so there's a picture of him and his girlfriend, right? And he said, uh, to your birthday and our anniversary, what a fun time these years have been. Love is a strange and powerful emotion, and I don't think I will digress any further than that in fear of making a mockery of it all. This is us five years ago. Here's to another five, to us, to the team, forever. Isn't that nice? But I love, I loved, uh, love is a strange and powerful emotion, and I don't think I will digress any further than that in fear of making a mockery of it all. It's like, why try and explain it? Fucking, it's nice. I love you. You love me. We have love. That's it. I'm not going to try and fucking think about it too much. Yeah. You know? As in uh, words, just sully this feeling. Yeah, for fear of making a mockery of it all. Yeah. That mockery. What a perfect you love word. That. Almost actually, that says a little bit about you, though, that you're like, oh, you're going to, like, as in, ugh. Yeah, talk well, it's about like this. I don't want to fucking talk about it too much. I don't want to be too serious. Yeah. I'm going to be serious. Everyone's going to jokes, jokes, jokes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Otherwise, someone will make mockery of me. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe, huh? That's <laughs> it, like... right? Well, because I just feel like uh, I feel like how seriously I take myself definitely comes out as soon as I start talking about things, you know? Which is a bad thing because then you're open yeah, to ridicule. Yeah, I take myself so... Yeah, I yeah, maybe. Maybe because I'm open to ridicule and I... Maybe I don't want people to know how seriously I take myself, but I do take myself very seriously. I think it's a flaw. I think I should try and laugh at myself more. People wouldn't think that who'd seen you or spoken to you most of the time. You seem yeah. very open to laughing at yourself and maybe taking the piss and the mickey and all that. Well, that's because I'm a sociopath and I hide it really well. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works. No, <laughs> sociopaths don't feel I, I shit. Don't know. I like laughing, I guess, and and and. Uh, I laugh when I'm uncomfortable or maybe I laugh to get through hard things. Like if something happens and I don't know how to respond to it emotionally, I'll just laugh because it's easier than going, well, that's sad. Sorry. Yeah. You know. Make a joke and then like yeah. laugh. Or like, because I did the exact same thing. I think mm-hmm. this would be something which pretty human and maybe is more focused on like the comedian side of things where like I, I smile and laugh when I'm talking through something tough or someone confronts me with something that's too intense. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I just kind of like yeah, try to work yeah, past yeah. it and make a joke. Oh, man, like, I remember own that shit. My friend Rosie got so mad at me years ago. Uh, we were in London. We were living together. And uh, she told me a friend of hers in Adelaide, his like her her friend's brother had died in a car crash, right? She just saw that and she was like, oh, my God, so sad. And I just started laughing. And she got so angry at me. She was like, oh, my God, how can you fucking laugh? And I was like... I'm, it's so sad, of course. I know it's so sad. I don't know what else to do. I'm just laughing because it's fucked. It's like it's awful. Yeah, you know what like I mean. Sh- I don't think I don't think I would do not- that now. I think I think uh, I think now I would. 
probably not do that, but I still, that part of me that reacted that way still exists. I've just, I'm probably maybe a little bit more empathetic now. So that's- uh, As I've gotten older. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's funny you saying that because like, that's basically the classic reaction, which I've done before, um, which is where whatever's happened is so shocking. Yeah. That it's like hilarious, like as in it, I'm almost looking at it like it's like the absurd, person. the absurdity. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a TV show, and I'm just watching a TV show of my own life. So it's like yeah, this situation. Sure. So it's always that, that distance. So rather than being here and talking and feeling what you're feeling, uh-huh. I'm standing there and watching us interacting and being like, <laughs> "Isn't that insane?" This is Larry David. That's so shit. crazy that that thing happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and rather than connecting with the um, the sadness of someone's brother dying in a car crash, I'm just like. That not that crazy that someone could be alive and then dead? Okay, your one's worse than mine almost. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just I laughing mean, at the awkward situation. Yours is literally you were laughing yeah, at the Yeah, someone death. died. Yeah. Someone died in like... Because it's like, if you don't laugh, then you cry. And I'm scared of crying, so I'll laugh. <laughs> Why am I scared of crying? I don't know. Really? A mm. little bit? Maybe, yeah. Just I'd like it. to cry more. I cried uh, a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago. I was sitting right there at my kitchen table mm-hmm. um, and uh, I was watching... It was the day that the bushfires were really, really bad. And I remember waking up that day. I think it was a Saturday. I remember waking up and like straight away checking the news because that was like everyone knew that was going to be the really bad day. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to be checking the news all day today just because it's so fucking awful. And I remember watching a video. It was the live on YouTube. They have like live feeds from news stations. And there was a... There were two ladies um, with all their respective children, like two mums, and their husbands had both stayed back at the houses to fight the fires. And the um, newscaster, like interviewing them, and on the scene was like, "Do you have any words for your for your husbands?" And they were like, you know, barely holding it together, and they were just like, "Just please be safe, just be safe, and you know, come home safe." And they were crying. I'd fucking that made me cry. You. God damn loser. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. Like, what's so interesting about that is you are crying at more professions of love and relationships between people. Ah, maybe. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because, like, I guess so, huh? Well, you're looking at these two people who are broken and just love someone, and yeah, then you want just them to don't be safe. want them to, yeah, want them to be safe like, and not get burned alive in the bushfire or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but it's like obviously you're feeling it because you're looking at these two people who love someone and they're so worried about them and concerned mm. about them in such a pure, mm-hmm. non-jokey way. Yeah, um, it's just because like it's weird because I like, like I would have thought it, when you talk about 1984, and this is what's going to be interesting as this podcast continues with different people is how interesting what people do take away from it because like i didn't take away the love thing like i mm-hmm. liked that part of it and i got its relevance to the story, the story yeah. but leaving it that was not what stuck with me at all in really what stuck with you about it probably a separate thing which uh we're gonna go into another night guys that's the end of the show. No, um <laughs> this, <laughs> this show to <laughs> find out that george is the most emotionally repressed person in the world well, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, this, this is just a, okay, this is the one that I took away and because I read it when I was like 14, mm-hmm. um, 19, which is too young to read it, really. Like, in first sure. thing, you're not going to grasp some of it and some of it's quite heavy. Yeah. And but then any 14-year-old who hears that is like, oh, I've got to read this. What, yeah, I'm too, totally. I'm, too young I'm fucking to get smart this, enough. I'm going to do it. Um, the thing that stuck with me was a really obscure thing as well. Uh, so, in the book, got Winston, and basically the idea is if you get caught, you can get taken into place. I think it's the Ministry of Love. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get tortured, essentially, until you agree 
with them. Yeah. They'll figure out a way to torture you. Yeah. So, you know, they use Winston's love to break him, but the idea is that you can torture anyone to become anything. Yeah. That's the idea in it, right? Right. So, when I read that, I was like, firstly, I agree with that. Like, as in, you, you can, can break a person. You could break anyone. Uh, right? Like, as in, ultimately. Yeah. Not even just from pulling their fingernails out. Yeah. It could be from the exact opposite. Whatever you could it head, is. Screw someone in whatever way specifically them to yeah. make them be whatever you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, and then I'm like, if that's true, then the only reason anyone acts how they do is because they haven't been tortured to act a different way. <laughs> so you can't really blame someone in the righteous free will sense for acting in any way, right? Because They've just not been made to act they're, a different way. Exactly. So you're saying no one has free will. So free will in that sense doesn't exist because yeah. if you could argue this, which I do think if you, again, if you shape the scenario, it could take a year or two years. Yeah, you could make anyone long. act in a way you wanted to, which means that the concept of free will in terms of blaming someone for the choices they make uh-huh. isn't really accurate Yeah. for like judging people. Because all you just, you just... You just didn't try hard enough to make them act the other way. Yeah, or the situation didn't end up making them act that way. So, like, sure. even, like, from the concept of a Judeo-Christian God looking down and being like, you did this, you're bad. It's like, yeah, but, like, the only thing that's stopping it is if he got tortured and went another way, and then he's good now. He didn't choose that. Sure. He just got tortured and now I he's good. I love that you're just assuming how, like, easy, or not easy, but you're you're just so flippant with the word torture. You just got to torture him to make him fucking I know. drive within the lines. <laughs> but like, as in, you know what <laughs> I mean? Gotta, when I got to torture him to make him eat his fucking vegetables. <laughs> I'm giving you his, his greens, all right? Fine. Yeah. But I guess the retort would be that um, if you torture someone to make them do that, they no longer become human. So is it really them doing that? My retort to that is, what is torture? Because I'm saying using torture right or now. Or coerce. Let's, let's, let's replace coerce. the word torture with coerce. So if a situation coerces you to act in a certain way, uh-huh. are you now not human anymore? But isn't our whole lives a situation that's you, been you guiding us to act in a certain way? You think that any situation is a coercion from the world yeah. for you to act a certain way? Isn't that what we're it just is? Rea- we're just reacting to So if you had something tragic happen to you when you were five that makes you then be a good person, yeah. you are you now a good person because of that. Because You're of that coerced. situation. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So I mean, that... I guess some people believe that there's something inherent within us that has no cause that collides with these causes in the world and produces results, maybe. Maybe. You know? But the idea is that anyone with the right setting, you couldn't make them do anything almost. Sure. Which I would argue. With long enough time, and again, yeah. not just torture, like literally anything. Anything. Which means that, firstly, so basically when I, this was, I was 14 uh-huh. when I was having yeah, these thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait, so that means that like, Either God doesn't exist or he's a real dog because people aren't even choosing to be good or bad. They're just the result of not being coerced in the right way. And then he's fucking sending them to hell because he told them to be bad. Because he told them, but like, like you could just make them. So that's the most evil thing in the world. Yeah. And then I was like, and on top of that, but then anyone who acted, there was 14, the prime time for you to be like, Fuck you, man. Yeah, fuck God. About everyone. But instead, I'm not. But in getting angry at other people and being selfish and be like, oh, you dog. And now I'm like, oh, you didn't get coerced to act in a different way. Right. So it almost took away <laughs> your anger from people and was like, that's not your fault. Yeah. I just didn't, no one tortured you to be nice to me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
That's nice. So it almost made you a more forgiving person because it helped you understand that maybe people aren't a hundred percent at fault for their shitty actions. Yeah, it's like you're That's a result nice. of your it society. It took you to a really dark place to make you a better person. Yeah, but the also problem with that is that yeah, we can say that all day, and this is me unpacking years of mm-hmm. doing lots of different things, which can probably count as therapy to do it. Um, is the realization that's probably almost that's why I'm saying I was too young though because I was mm-hmm. 14. Yeah, you need to go through that and being selfish. No, nah, right. these guys out to get me and like almost you got to let that kind of be a thing and then get over that almost. So like, and that's what I would almost say like to fully grasp both yourself and other people. Like I'm almost because how much is it me understanding them or is it me just being like uh, I don't feel weird. I'm gonna make a story about me yeah. not wanting. Oh, it's this situation. It's like mm-hmm. no, but I'm still upset. Right. So maybe I like master my own pain by rationalizing it in such an elaborate way. Or um, or maybe you are always just gonna feel a little bit of empathy towards other people's situations. And 1984 was just a way that helped you understand it and frame it. Possible as yeah. well. But I mean, Forces and trends, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's it, 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 a reason I picked that up at that time to yeah, read that yeah. book. Another reason why 1984 is so great, maybe on a bit more of a superficial level, mm-hmm. is like talk about the fires right now, right? And climate change and all this stuff. And it seems like there are just competing groups of people with the complete opposite agenda and views of the of the situation coming like people go we've never had fires this bad before and then other people going there's always been fires they're saying the opposite things both sides backing their shit up with facts and no one can figure out what the truth is and that's exactly the situation in 1984 isn't it how wild is it that's the state of the world that he described that like even um little tiny things like the victory gin you know the supplies of chocolate or whatever is like these news stories will come up and go oh great news we're getting 20 blocks of chocolate every week now and then the next week it'll go great news we're getting 10 blocks of chocolate every week now and it's like that's less but no one even remembers because you're like was it like that before fuck i don't know man it's just chocolate i don't remember I guess it's good. They're saying it's good, so it must be good. It's like... Yeah. Now, this is like literally the example that I was looking up today. And this is why it's funny. We've talked about the emotional side of things and the character rather than this stuff because this mm-hmm. is actually what 1984 is. Big thing is about these structural yeah. political things that happen. Yeah. But also, I was looking up today because it talks about how... Because it's a famous scene I remember vividly. And this is a book I read bloody 20 years ago. Almost, uh-huh. The guy's reading... Um, it's the end of hate week uh-huh. and he's reading about how they're at war with, I actually got the name. Yeah. Eurasia, Eurasia and, Eurasia and, and East Asia. East Asia. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, to- they're war with Eurasia. Sure. I think. And then he's reading this. So they've done six days of hate speech towards Eurasia. And yeah. then on the, on the sixth day, he's sitting there talking about it. And then someone hands him a slip of paper and he just keeps talking about how they're at war with East Asia. And yeah. Eurasia's it's just, their ally. Changes. It's a different one. And he, but he doesn't like correct or anything. He just, yeah. just doesn't switch. Just halfway through just a speech switches. just goes, yeah, East Asia, those dogs and like those who were against. And then everyone in the crowd is looking in there. That's like right. after a moment, they're like, wait a second. Oh, yeah, East Asia's. And they're looking around all the banners. They're like, we've been tricked. They've been spies have come in and put up the wrong banners. And then they just tear it all down. They start Insane. screaming at East Asia. And yeah. then I look at something I saw yesterday about the Australian and a few of the Murdoch papers uh-huh. and how it talks about how now they've come out and saying, We've never denied. We're not climate change. We never denied climate change. We've never done it. Yeah, they're not just saying no. We've changed now. They're literally saying no. no we've no, never. We never denied climate change. We always accepted that climate change was real. Yeah, it's always been a part of our strategy. Oh, I so know. They it's literally came out yesterday saying that. They can't. How can you not? 
Just admit that you're wrong. It's yeah. okay. Everyone's wrong. You're allowed to be wrong. That's yeah. what learning is. And if yeah. you never fucking learn, like how can you always be right? Because that means you didn't learn anything. And everyone accepts that learning is so important, but no one wants to be caught in that moment of learning because learning means that you were wrong. It's- but everyone's so, like, these people are so fucking, it's like Scott Morrison doesn't want to admit that he's wrong because I guess he believes that if he's caught being wrong, then we think he's a bad leader. But that would be, he would be a human if he was caught being wrong and... and I think, yeah, like oh. as in... Well, that's the classic thing, right? They say strong and wrong is better than weak and right. Yeah. But like the weird thing is it's also... But uh, that's where I'd almost go crazy political sort of thing on that, but basically saying he would say he was wrong if it wasn't the fact that being wrong isn't good for corporate interests. Yeah, sure. So he's not like... As in the narrative is, yes, he wants to be strong, but if it was... If it turned out tomorrow that like, oh, no, wait, no, we make more money if we accept climate change, he'd be like, oh, I was wrong. Yeah. So you could say like is in it's just him pretending interests, yeah. which is all everything is. But like is in to do. It's, it's crazy degree. that those Murdoch papers are saying that stuff. We never denied climate change, and yet still, probably today, they would have published something by Andrew Bolt, fervently denying climate change. But the overarching, the banner headline is "We don't deny climate change," yeah. and you just don't look past that, and you go, "Oh, I guess they don't deny climate change." But then you read a piece by Andrew Bolt or fucking whoever literally denying climate change the two things are so inconsistent but i guess they're just not seen side by side so you you can never catch them out man well that's it well no well like the one because the one i saw was like a thing where it goes we've never denied climate change they listed like 50 articles where the headlines are like yeah. climate change is a hoax yeah but then the other one which is part of that is like they talk about how well how okay if they, even if they accept the climate change rule they're going to do their version of it which is it's too late yeah, and it's not economically we better. Might worse. as well just drive off the cliff and hopefully fly. Yeah, or it's like we, well, you know what? It's more important we have money now to protect ourselves oh. when these oceans rise. So we'd know to keep going this way. Like you know they'll the, do an angle like that. So even you know if- what the thing is, right? That I I had this thought a few weeks ago. I realized that these people like Scott Morrison, they're just not scared because at the end of the day, even the worst case of climate change of warm like three degrees, whatever, four degrees, whatever it is. All of humanity won't be wiped out. 90-something percent of humanity will be wiped out. But there's enough money in the world and resources that some people will live in air-conditioned fucking places and be able to survive and whatever. And they just they genuinely believe that they're going to be in those people who will be saved. And so they don't fucking care. They don't care about who dies. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, me and all my family and friends and everyone I know are in the top 0.001% of the world's population and we're not going to die. So fucking why would I care if every other person in the world dies? I, th- I genuinely think that's you, that's what they believe. See, I don't think so because just because like I know so many people who aren't in the top 1% or even in the top 10% who are passionately anti-climate change. Yeah, and I so, think they've been lied to. I think they're fucking they have, stupid. Yeah. But I think, but like I, think, I, think the people, I think the like quote unquote leaders. I don't know. I mean, or maybe that's some double think right there. But exactly. like, why why are they not scared? They should be. Why are they not scared? And we're scared. And I think the thing that makes them not scared is that they have money and they believe that that will insulate them from the world. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like- money and power and and whatever. And I don't think they understand that. I think they just they need to be more fucking scared, man. Mm. And um, they're not scared of people rising up against them because they believe that the media is strong enough to influence people to not do that. And it's like, fuck, man, I pray every day of my life for a lone gunman. 
<laughs> be fucking. They dick, should yeah. be fucking scared. Yeah, yeah. You should be fucking scared, you cunts, because we are coming. Okay, this is. We good. are coming for you. <laughs> I'm buying a rifle tonight. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? I would love if that happened uh, in a way if you did that just because then this would be a very successful podcast. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'd be getting some serious He called publicity. it there on the pod. Listen. Yeah, yeah, I've got it, guys. If you want to listen to it, it's going to get released in two weeks. You know, <laughs> just do the sales pitch. What a dog. Uh, anything last? I usually ask this at the end. Do you have any different perspectives on 1984 as a result of this conversation? Uh, I probably will, but I haven't had time to mull them over yet. But this mm. has been a great conversation about this book and uh yeah okay cool well um i thank you very much aiden for coming on the show uh keep reading 1984 and enjoy your next book thank you very much for having me man yeah thanks thanks for having me on this podcast thanks for having uh, this conversation with me it's been enlightening and stimulating that's good and unnecessary amount of <laughs> describing words involved at the end there <laughs> that's cool and riveting <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sanspants Radio, then why not subscribe to sanspantsplus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's sanspantsplus.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.